Father, we thank you. Praise you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Father, have mercy upon us, O Lord. Father. Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus. Speak to our hearts this evening. Prepare our hearts to receive your word. Have mercy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're a good God. Your mercy endures forever. We've come not to hear from God, man, but from God. Speak to us this evening. Thank you. We praise you. Anoint us, O Lord, afresh. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, titled this message, Do We See? This is something which was burning in my heart for quite some time and all the messages that have gone back, especially from the beginning of this year. And one verse which, before we go into the meat of the message, which will properly introduce us to this to this message will be Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. Paul says to the Corinthian church, this is what he has to say, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. I like that word, transient. Transient. Temporal. Temporary. Passing away. Fading away. Quick. It's so quick that you don't even see it. Like uh, like David says in Psalm 103, As for man, his days are like grass as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. And the wind passes over it and it is gone and the place thereof doesn't remember it anymore. That's a remarkable thing. It's so transient. It's so quick. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Oh, we sang those two songs. The first song, song we sang was Hosanna in the highest and the final song in Hindi and in English. Hamgai Hosanna. You know, the word Hosanna is, the translation is reign over us, rule over us, reign over us, rule over us. That's exactly what they were singing when Jesus was entering into Jerusalem. They put all their garments on the, on the, on the floor and they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David, come and rule over us. And they were expecting him to take that route, one towards the temple, one was going towards the temple, the other was going towards the palace. And they decided, for Jesus, this man is going to rule over us now. He is not going to take the right, he is going to take the, take the left towards the palace and then he is going to take over the, uh, the he is going to overthrow uh, the Roman Empire and he is going to rule over us. That's exactly what they thought. But they didn't realize that this king will not be king over them as yet. You see, um, in John's Gospel chapter 6, it says after he fed them with 5,000 men, that's what John's Gospel would say, 5,000 men, meaning 600,000 men who came out of Israel. 600,000 men representing 600,000 families. That's the connotation. 5,000 men representing 5,000 families were fed a remarkable miracle and they forcibly tried to make him king, but he escaped. The question is, was he not a king? Should we not sing Hosanna? <laughs> That's what Pilate asked him. Are you a king? He said, yes, I am the king. But 
my kingdom is not of this age, of this world. If it was of this world, when Peter was chopping off the ear of the, of this, of that palace guard, he said, if I would have asked my father to send thousands of angels to, a legion of angels to save me, would he not? Should I not drink of the cup that, that my father is asking me to drink? Put away your sword, Peter. Peter had to learn a lot of lessons. So should we. You see, what we see is what we believe. We are caught in that realm, saints, and I know, I know it's so difficult. Even as we progress, I, in, in my walk with the Lord, I know how much I'm entrapped in the transient. It's remarkable. It's true. Even after having come into ministry, full time. So entrapped in the transient. <laughs> Honestly, immediate results. You see, I, I told you, I told you, right? If we go to the mission field, you'll know all the, all your romantic ideas about mission will be laid to rest. You'll see one man was laboring for 50 years in the ministry. 50 years. Almost. How did he see? Did he start see any tangible fruit in his life, in his ministry? No. But did it stop him? What motivated him to press on? It's a remarkable thing that we need to ask ourselves. We who are caught in the transient, you know, this this word transient is such an interesting word for engineers, particularly. Engineers get attracted get attracted with transient. The word transient will attract them. The moment they see transient, hey, I want to look at that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you see, because we're all, we're all engineers. We want to see how things vary at a short period of time. God says, I'm not looking at a short period of time, looking at eternity. That's what Francis Chan keeps telling. I mean, I like that example that he gives. He says, take a long rope and he puts a red tape at the edge of the rope and he says, you know what? This, this red tape that you see in this long 20 meter rope, that's your life. Okay? 80 years maybe. 80 years. So what do you do? You work for 60 years and save up for retirement for the next 20. What foolishness. Transient. It's going to go away like a breath. You don't even know. No, we, we sing that song, we sing that song, right? Oh God, our help in ages past. Time like an ever rolling stream bears all its sons away. They're all forgotten like a dream. <laughs> They're all forgotten. You see, that is the reason why he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but he who does the will of my father, like Abel, even though he is dead, he will still speak. You see, because we are so caught up in the transient and the temporal, and God is asking us in this new year to shed that. To shed that progressively, it's going to happen progressively. It's not, it's incremental. Like John Piper keeps on saying, right? He says, I have very, very little hope for messages and sermons. <laughs> I mean, when John Piper has to say, what, what about a guy like me who's just starting? He said, I have very hope, very little hope for sermons and messages. I don't expect you guys to change. <laughs> but I keep on, keep on ministering the word to you, hopefully, in three years, four years, five years, six years, seven years, before ten years is over. <laughs> he will change some fruit in your life. See, the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And God has to open up our eyes to the eternal, you see. Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1, we'll see that idea through this sermon. Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 to 3, we know this. Faith is substance. 
of the things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed. It is just not one world. It's just not one world. The worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. I don't know if uh, Paul was a writer of the book of Hebrews. If he was, this guy is a brilliant guy. You already know science and technology. What we discovered in the 19th century, sorry, in the 20th century, he already wrote it because he, his mind was on God. You see? We understood subatomic particles when we came to the 20th century. But this guy already knew. What we see are, are made of things that we, that we don't see. By the word of God. By the word of God. By faith we understand that. That is faith. is a substance of the things hoped for. Hope. You know that? Faith, hope and love. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And the worlds are being kept by the word of God. Are being reserved by the word of God. Preserved by him. In, this, in the world, show us, then we will believe. That's what Morpheus told Neo. Life and death, you choose. <laughs> okay. then, then he says, but in the kingdom, it's different, you see. In the kingdom, believe and then you will see. It's totally different. It is so totally otherworldly, you know. But you know, we understand this concept very easily. We, we know it, we live by this principle, by the way, every day of our life. For example, let's say I have this computer and I'm not so tech savvy, but I only know two operations. So in order to perform any particular task, I only know those two operations. So two operations every time I perform to get one task done. So it takes me 15 minutes to finish a simple task, let's say. And then somebody gives me a manual and says, you know what? This is what it is. You can do this using this technique. You believe, you work, and you see. Keeps happening all the time. That is the reason why he says, you know what? You are a new creation. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people to declare the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but now are God's people, once did not obtain mercy, but now obtain mercy. Therefore, my dear brothers, beloved, as sojourners and exiles, abstain, you see, from fleshly lusts, because you are this. Take out the old leaven, because you are indeed a new new lump. You see, you have to purge out, because you are already a new creation. You see? So in this world, we sh- you say, show us and then we will believe. In the kingdom, we believe. And then we will see. And we looked at this, right? What did Ruth see in Naomi? That she clung to her and was willing to take a risk of her entire future. What did she see in her? What if it was only sorrow and anguish? But you know what? She started believing in obedience. And even as she was obeying, the plan of God was unfolding in her life. See, remarkable. 
What did Moses see in the old covenant that he chose to bear the sufferings of Christ than to enjoy the temporal and the passing transient pleasures of sin? What did he see? What did he see in God? What did he see? 600,000 grumbling people, did he see them? How long? I mean, the amazing testimony of this man of God who would say, Lord, take away my my name from the book of life and add them to you. What did the apostles see? What did the apostles see? Did Apostle Paul know that we will be studying the book of Romans and we'll be going crazy? Did he, did he know that? Did he think that it's going to be a part of scripture? Yet did he not write? What did he see? What enabled him to be focused on that one thing in his life? Why? What did he see? What did he see? You know, um, Growing up, my parents used to teach me one story from Mahabharata. Okay. My Tathagaru actually. My Tathagaru is still a non-believer, but he used to teach me a lot of stories from Mahabharata. He used to teach, you know, tell me during, during bedtime. And remember this beautiful story that you told me. You know, what is the highest award a sportsman gets in our country? Arjuna award. What is the highest award a coach gets in our country? Dronacharya. For those of you young people who do not know the story, why is it Arjuna Award and Dronacharya Award? Why? Why is it that way? You don't know your own, do you know? Sister, you don't know, you see? How many of you from Hindu background know it? <laughs> Mummy, <laughs> of course, Tathagaru taught you, right? <laughs> you see, you know, the, you know, the story is this, one, the, the cousins, both the Pandavas and Kauravas used to live in a same Home, or rather in the same country, before the great war, and before the exile. And they were all young people, okay, five Pandavas and hundred Kauravas, and they all had one guru, and his name was Dronacharya. So Dronacharya wanted to teach them archery, he wanted to really, you know, uh, teach them how to fight, the, 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 the techniques of warfare, and one day he said, okay, you guys come, I want you to hit the eye of this wooden bird, okay, that is your target. So what does he do? He takes that wooden bird and he puts it on a, on the branch of a tree and he goes about 100, 200 meters. I don't know exactly how much distance he goes. And he says, that is your target. You have to hit the target, the eye of the bird, of that wooden bird. He says, okay, fine. Not a big problem. So he calls all the people and they're all in line. And then he calls Yudhishthira. Comes, calls him and he says, Yudhishthira, I want you to hit that target. But what do you see first? I want to see what you, I want to know what you see. I know whenever pastor talks about, you know, he telling his students, go and see outside the window. What do you see? Every time he says, I only remember Arjuna and Dronacharya. I'll tell you why. He calls Yudhishthira and says, what do you see? Yudhishthira wants to impress his boss. You know what he says? I see the bird. The wooden bird. I also see the branch on which it's kept. I also see those leaves which are fluttering. No, I also see those other birds which are coming and standing beside that that bird. I also see the tree that it is green. The leaves are very green. It's not they're not very dry, etc. 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 And Dronacharya says, Shut up, Yudhishthira, you're not. You are not going to hit the target. Go and sit. I did not even fire, I did not even fire an arrow. He says, No, 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 you're not going to do it. Please go and sit. Sit down. All the cousins are, you know. Taken aback by that answer. So the other guy comes. 
He said, what do you see? He goes on the same thing. The other guy says, what do you see? Etc, etc. Until Arjuna comes. Arjuna says, what do you see? I see the eye of the bird. Do you see the leaves? No. Do you see the other birds? No. Do you see the branch on which it is, which is standing? No. Do you see any other thing? He says, master, I don't see anything except the eye. You know what he says? Shoot. I know you want to hit the target and he hits the target. Amazing story. Amazing story. I didn't understand when, you know, my Tadagari says that is the power of concentration, Vijay, etc, etc, etc. But you know, that's not the story. That's not the analysis of the story. When you come to the kingdom, you'll understand what it is. In the kingdom, the focus is on Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter and the finisher of our faiths. What do we do? We lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily ensnares us and we run that race, you see. But that is when we don't get distracted. And then we are, when we are, when our eyes are not on the scene, can you see the small speck of the eye there? Yes, I do. It's like a magnifying glass for me. It's like a big, you know, I remember when the test cricketers approached their double hundred, you know what the commentators say? Now he can see the ball like a football. He's concentrating, his, his, his eye is on the ball and his eye is not even on the scoreboard. He want to smack it now. And that is the reason why I like Sevag. You know, he doesn't get flustered. You want to get a 300? Doesn't matter. 294, I'm going to hit a 6 and still get a 300. See? Absolutely focused. They have a single-minded determination. There is no distraction whatsoever. And I was thinking, how about, how is it in the Christian life? Do we see? Do we see? Or are there so many other things we see? And when Jesus says, don't see all those things and concentrate, you know what happens? There's a 666 verse in the Bible. Scary verse. It's called John triple six. <laughs> after this, after what? After feeding 5,000 men and their families. After that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? Jesus fed 5,000. He created bread. He did it. It was, it was, it was just not, uh, multiplication, but it's like, how, come on, how are you going to take five fish, five loaves of bread and two fish and, and do something unless you're creating? He created. You know, John Piper says, how could a miracle so greatly perform go so finally wrong? After this, after this, that's, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the key point over here. After this, not few. What, but many. Many of what? The hearers? No, 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 no. Many of his disciples. That's the scary part. Yesterday was, we were doing uh, Proverbs chapter 10 in our, in our, in our, in our, in our Bible study just because I wanted to do 10 because 10 is a number of judgment and Proverbs chapter 10 is laden with verses which will hit you like a brick on your head. 
Okay, and we're saying let's go through those 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 verses and judge judge our hearts before we finish Isaiah. We just just just, just because the year is fresh and we got fifty more weeks to go, so let's just go through those verses. And then I told them, you know what? Who wrote all these? We were all like amazed at the insight of Solomon. And I said, you know what? Every time I know that these are proverbs of Solomon, it scares me. It scares me. It scares me. That I could be preaching to others. I could write scripture. I could write the old covenant, the new covenant in the old and still lose it at the end. Because you don't see the language that Solomon uses in any other New Testament, New Old Old Testament uh, text. Like he says, I will pour out my spirit upon you. Except for Joel, you don't find that anywhere else. That he's a tree of life. Where do you find tree of life? You only find it in Genesis, you find it in Proverbs, and you find it in Revelation. Where Where else do you find tree of life? How come this guy has got such insight into the psyche of a human and yet lose his crown? The key is this, many of his disciples turn back and no longer walked with him. It's not that they stopped going to synagogue like pastor says. It's not that they stopped become, becoming religious. It's not that they didn't stop, they, they stopped going to Bible studies and, and, and Wednesday midweek sermons or etc, etc, etc. They stopped walking with the living God. Like pastor says, right? This, this like any other book, when you read it, it'll read you back. See, they walked with him no more. What's the remarkable thing? We need to just take, learn lessons from these New Testament disciples. They turned back and no longer walked with him. Why? You know why? Only one guy saw. Do you want to go away, you fellows? Twelve fellows? I mean, it's not going to make any difference to me. I'm going to start another set of batch. Fresh batch, I will start. You know what? We are not indispensable in the kingdom of God. If you stop working, God will find somebody else who will finish that work and he will take your crown. In all eternity, you will be crying, that fellow took my crown. That is the reason why he tells in Revelation, be careful, let, let nobody else steal the crown that you that, that you were destined to have. You see? It's a difficult walk. It's a difficult walk, brothers and sisters. But it is a walk which is worth it only when our eyes don't get distracted. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38. Hmm. Powerful. But my righteous one shall live by faith. Faith is the substance of the things hoped for and the evidence of the things not seen. We walk by faith and not by sight. We don't look for things. We don't look for tangible fruit for Anything in our life, we keep on doing the same thing over and over again until it becomes a part of us. Not until we, <laughs> we get some results. We want results. We are result-oriented people. That's what we say. That's what, that's what, you know, all the corporates will say. We don't find results from this fellow. We're not getting results. Replace him. Get another fellow. God is not, in, God is not like that. He is interested in you first. And if anyone shrinks back, My soul has no pleasure in him. And you can shrink back. The next verse will warn us. You can shrink back even until perdition. Some of you don't even get what I'm saying. I hope your eyes will be opened. So, John's Gospel chapter 6 verse 26. This is what Jesus says, right? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, you are seeking me not 
because you saw the signs, but because you ate your full of the loaves. You see, you need to understand, every time Jesus says something, in, especially in the gospel according to John, Jesus, you know, explains a sign in the physical. Or he speaks something in the physical, pointing out to some spiritual truth. And people don't get it. It happens in, in, in many churches. I mean, I told you, right? Because everybody is not hearing the same way. Everybody has got already a filter through which you are hearing. You see? Everybody already has preconceived notions and, and ideologies in your mind through which you are filtering out the very word which is coming from the pulpit. That is the reason why it says, in Acts chapter 17, it says, verse 11, it says, those people who were in barrier, when they heard the word, they received with, with all readiness of mind, and then went and searched the scriptures to see if what Paul was preaching was right or wrong. There was a reception that they were doing, and they were also testing. But people, you know, people don't even listen to it. They, they just get completely sidetracked by even the message. It happens in many, many places. It could happen even, even here. Jesus explaining something, pastor explaining something in the physical and pointing out to something which is spiritual and we completely miss the bus. You see? It happens everywhere. I mean, you see that Unfortunately, in, in many places, the shallowness of faith. One of the things that we, we decided in our school in GTLC, we want to teach our children hymns. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood, they don't have an idea as to what I'm saying, but let it be in your mind before you understand it. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be for sin, the double cure save from wrath and make me pure. Not the labor of my hands can fulfill the lost demands. Could my zeal no respite, no, could my tears forever flow. All for sin could not atone, thou must save and thou alone. Where do we have these kinds of lyrics these days? We have such shallow words and shallow scriptures. Every song is so shallow. It doesn't even impact us in the depths of our heart and stir us up for good works. You see? Because we are so caught up in the temporal. So Jesus explains, I mean shows a sign and he's trying to explain a spiritual truth. Okay, Signs to spiritual truths. For example, destroy this temple and I will build it in three days. Answer, <laughs> it took us <laughs> 46 years to build it. You are going to build it back in three days? Completely missed. I mean, no. a guy who is a ruler of the Jews will come and ask you questions. You are expecting him at least to know you are a teacher and you don't know these things. Look at what he says. Unless you are born again. Something in the physical. Pointing out to a spiritual truth. How can I go back into my mother's womb? He didn't get it. If you know who is asking for water, you will you will ask him for that water and he will give you a living water. But you don't have a bucket. And the water is so deep. Something in the physical, pointing out to a spiritual truth, completely missed the point. They tried to make him king. <laughs> and he escaped. <laughs> 
You are that prophet. That's what he said. What that prophet? Prophet of Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15. We finally understood what Moses said. You are going to come. There is going to be a, li- a man just like me. Whom God is going to raise up among your brothers. You are going to listen to him. Yeah, finally the guys come. What did Moses do? He fed us manna from the desert. Hey, Moses did not feed that manna. I, I did that. And that very manna has come here now. I did it. It's me. And your fathers ate that manna and they're dead. And they're dead. You lost it. See? He's explaining something in the physical and pointing out to the spiritual, completely missing the bus. And it happens over and over and over again in many churches. It's remarkable. Remarkable. Let it not happen to us. This generation. Let it not happen to us. Let it not happen to us. Let it not happen to us. Please. Like Shik was sharing, no? Will we, will we be a spiritual, spirit-filled church or just another church? Just another church? Just another institution? Just another organization? And if we like that, you know, because institutions give us comfort. They don't demand anything from us. Like yesterday, <laughs> Eric was, Eric called me and he said, Pastor, is, what is justification? I mean, I see many people coming to church and they're so happy with religion. They just come, they're happy that they're coming on Sunday, they're listening to a sermon, they're putting their tights and going back. They hear a good word, they're happy about it, but it doesn't change their lives. See? They don't understand spiritual truths in spite of the fact that the word is being opened and literally there's a lot of labor going behind the word of God, but still people don't miss, don't, don't get the, get the point that is being, that is being shared to us and why. This is exactly what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand. Who is saying, who is he saying this to? He's saying to this fired up evangelist. Who literally got fired up because a coal from the altar came and burnt his lips, and he said, "Lord, I'm going to go and preach to these people." You know what? 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 Pastor, what? Uh, Jesus was telling. Uh, Jesus was telling. Who was telling? Jesus was telling because John will say that was Jesus who appeared to Isaiah in glory in John's Gospel, chapter twelve. Jesus was telling, telling Isaiah, "You know, Isaiah, your sermons will not have any effect. You're going to preach sixty-six sermons." You're going to literally compress the entire Bible into 66 chapters. 39 old, 29 new, 27 new. They will not get it. And you know what's going to happen to you, Isaiah? (laughs) They're going to put you in a hollow trunk of a tree and cut you into two. Will you go? All romantic ideas of missions will just be out of the window. Saw you into two. For the hearts of these people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes have, they have closed. They have closed. Other places says God has closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their, with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and repent. So that I should heal them. They don't repent. Like yesterday I was talking to Eric and he was telling me, he was telling, Pastor, it's not that people in the church 
stop sinning. It's the problem is not that. The problem is they stop repenting. That is a danger. That's a danger. And Hebrews chapter 6 will say, it is impossible for people who have once tasted of the heavenly gift, uh, the word of God, the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them back to a change of mind, is impossible. It's impossible. It's scary. It's scary. Because they didn't see and then change. So do we see? Question. So let's look at that first place in John's gospel where Jesus is talking to the, to the, to the, to the religious class and he's talking about the temple. This is John's gospel chapter 2 verse 15. We'll just look at two passages as to what Jesus spoke in the temple and what is he pointing to and what those implicate, what the implications are for us as a church and as individuals. <coughs> individuals and as a church. John's gospel chapter 2 verse 15. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple. And with the sheep, with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables and he told those who sold the doves, told the people who were doing the greatest sin are those people who are selling doves because they were exploiting the very poor. Take these things away. Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade or merchandise. And whenever somebody comes and says, drive out all these things from your, from your life, you will ask him, who are you? You will not say that, but we will have an attitude in our mind. We never know. People in Telugu will understand that, that slang. We never know. And many preachers are also saying, no, I mean, they don't want to confront people with that, with that, with the truth. They will say, naak enduk sarivanne. Why should I bother my head with these people who don't want to listen to the hard truths? Let me tell them what they like to hear. <laughs> Peace, prosperity, etc., etc., etc. Everything is good with you, brother. That is the reason why Ahab says, I don't want to invite Micah. 400 prophets of Baal are prophesying right. I mean, not false prophets, not Baal, prophets of Baal. They were also prophets of Yahweh. And one of them was saying, like this you will go and conquer the Syrians. And Jehoshaphat is convicted. Is there any other prophet? This is too good to be true. <laughs> you see, there's somehow there's a conviction inside everybody, right? This something, what is the problem over here? <laughs> Take these things away. Do not make my father's house. He's going to whip out people. I mean, he's going to come and say, you know what? Get this, get this out of your life. Get this out of your life. Get this out of your life. Get the love of money out of your life. Get this out of your life. Get lust out of your life. Get pornography out of your life. Get all these things out of your life. Slowly, boy. Aram say. You I just came right now into the kingdom of God and you're asking me so quickly. You see? And uh, and this and they and they will never invite that preacher again to their house, to their church, to their uh, to their youth meetings and again. It happened with me, you know, when when I was growing up in my youth fellowship, those days there was one fired up lady who came and preached the word of God and everybody started repenting from next time, no more. <laughs> 
So even if we invite that lady, we will give her a topic. So that she will not convict us. See? Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. And then the disciples understood. The disciples remember that it was written, zeal for your house consumed me. Something in the physical is happening over here. And Jesus is pointing out to a spiritual truth. Do we get that? So the Jews, the religious class, the people who are supposed to know, this Jews, when, when John is writing Jews, it does not, does not mean the, the Jews. He's not anti-Semitic. He also is a Jew. He is talking about and he is referring to the religious class, to the Pharisees. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus says, destroy this temple and three days I will raise it. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years for us to build this institution and you are saying that you are going to destroy it? Have you not seen? The disciples say, look at this magnificent building. Donated in memory of so and so. Taps put in the memory of so and so. Pews given in the memory of so and so. Organ in the memory of so and so. If you go to mainland churches, you will see, you will not find name of Jesus, you will find John, Peter, Alexander, Hamenius, etc. The donations that these people have given to build the church of God. Jesus says, you seen that poor lady over there? The widow? That widow? She's given us, given her everything. The kingdom of God is going to be built by people like that and not like these, these rich fellows. See, the disciples are stunned. And he says, you know what? You're looking at this temple? Not even one stone is going to remain. Everything is going to fall. Every institution which is, does not have Jesus will crumble to the ground. And that is exactly what he prophesied. And it happened. And it happened. Why? You know why? He's referring to something in the spirit, in the temporal and referring to a spiritual truth. What was he referring to? He was speaking about the temple of his body. Of his body. Which is not an organization. It is an organism. It is organic. It's got life. Coming to him, that's the reason that Peter will say, coming to him as a living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to offer up, to become a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I lay a stone in Zion, chosen and precious, and those who believe in him will not stumble. And therefore, honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone the builders have rejected has become the chief cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And they do not, then they stumble, he says, because they do not obey the word as they were destined to. They were destined to not obey. But you are a chosen generation. See, that is how he goes. He was speaking about the temple of his body. So do we get it? Brothers and sisters, do we get it? Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. You see that? I'm, 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 I'm teaching pronunciation, the Telugu style to my, 
to my two daughters. They say, let the water and the blood. I say, it's not blood. It's blood. No, no, no. It's let the water and the blood. See, the, 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 the old, the, 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 the mother tongue effect takes over. Okay. So, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. Which is your spiritual act of worship. And forget about the second verse. Bodies first. Bodies. What young people? Bodies. First Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 to 20. 19 to 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God. You are not your own. You are not your own. Married people, you are not your own. Husband, you are not your own. Wife, you are not your own. Church of the living God, you are not your own. That's what he says in Peter. He says, chapter 4, he says, As everybody has received a gift, as a stewards of the grace of God, Use those gifts to serve one another. It's not about you. Stewards of the grace of God. As who speaks, like the one who speaks the oracles of God. As who serves, he who serves, let him serve in the strength that God provides. So that in all things God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To him be glory and dominion forever. Amen. So glorify God in your body. Your body, your body, your body, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You see, you need to understand that. We need to get it. See, we need to get it at different levels because we still think the body is ours. You're bought with a price. With what? By the blood of Jesus, right? No, we know that the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin. The blood of Jesus buys my pardon. The blood of Jesus makes atonement for my sin. The blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin. But Peter makes a remarkable statement about the blood of Jesus. You know what he says? You have been ransomed from your futile ways of particularly thinking. From your futile ways that you have inherited from your forefathers. Not with perishable things such as gold and silver. But by the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without spot and blemish. You've been ransomed from your futile ways. That means you are going this way and the blood of Jesus literally ransomed you and brought you back into his path so that you can obey his will. You were bought at a price. You were bought. You're not your own. We're not our own. Our money is not our own. Our time is not our own. Our lives are not our own. Do we get that? Do we get that, saints? Do we get that? Do we get that? Keep yourself from the love of money. Oh, oh, I'm saying, I'm saying that with a broken heart because I see the love of money in my own heart. Covetousness in my own heart when I preach it because I preach to myself first because I know it deep down inside the seed of covetousness, of fear. Keep yourself free from the love of money completely because it is he who promised that he will never leave us, not forsake us. So you're not, you're not your own. Do we get it? Do we get it? That we are not our own? That our bodies are not our own? That they belong to Jesus? And that is the reason why he says, offer the instruments of your body as instruments of righteousness. 
No longer as slaves to sin, but as slaves to righteousness. And you know what he called the word instrument? We use it as instrument. It is actually weapons, the weapons of your body. Your eyes, your ears, your feet, every part of your body has become a weapon in the hand of God now. So glorify God in your body. Did you get it? First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 4. For this is the will of God. Your, what? Everybody read that. For this is the will of God. Say that. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. We'll stop there. Just stop there. You know, when Peter starts writing his epistle, I mean, it's a remarkable epistle. I'm just falling in love with him because I relate to him a lot. I don't know if you relate to Paul, but I relate to Peter more than Paul. You know what he says? He says, to the elect, that's what NKJV says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the elect, or rather, to the sojourners, to the exiles, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the exiles in the dispersion in Pontius and Galatia and Cappadocia, Bithynia and Asia. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, etc. You know what ESV says? It says, it says, you are not elect. You are not even an exile. I'll just combine these two. This is how ESV renders it. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the elect exiles. What are you? You are elect. <laughs> and you are also an exile. <laughs> you are elect exiles. I am the elect of God. But are you an exile? Elect exiles in the diaspora in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Bithynia and Asia. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctification of the Spirit, Unto the obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. Meaning, God is sanctifying you unto obedience. According to his foreknowledge. What is his will? This is the will of God. Your justification. Sanctification. That you abstain from sexual immorality on everything which actually thwarts that work of sanctification in your life. Because you don't have to see nowadays sexually explicit stuff in order for your minds to get corrupted. You just have to listen to interviews and your mind will get corrupted. That each one of you know how to control what? What? His own body. Why? Because my body does not belong to me. I was bought at a price. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. My body is what God gave me to me so that I can glorify him through my body. And therefore, it is not for any other thing which defiles it. Not in a passion of the lust like Gentiles who do not know God. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. And let me tell you something. How did our body become the temple of the Holy Spirit? Because he allowed his body to be destroyed so that we can have a body which can be made inhabitable. Never forget that. Vijay, 
Vijay, Vijay, Vijay, please, 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 please. Don't, 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 don't tell me so many things which are, can you, can you give me scripture which backs this up? First Peter chapter 2 verse 24. It's a powerful verse and you can mark it in your Bible and memorize it. Look at what he says. He himself bore our sins where? Where? In his body where? On the tree. So that we might, what? Die to sin. And live to righteousness. Not sin, repent, sin, repent, sin, repent, sin, justify, sin, justify, sin, justify, sin, justify. Let this be the year of where you stop that cycle, at least in some areas of your life. That we may die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. Oh, by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. You know why you've been healed? By Jesus' stripes so that you can die to sin. He himself allowed his body to be crushed. That's what he was saying. You can destroy this body and I will raise it in three days. You know what? In three days, I'm going to do such a remarkable thing. In 50 days, I'm going to dwell in everybody who believes in me. Everybody. And that's exactly what he does. First thing, he comes out and he says, receive the Holy Spirit and wait now until you are endowed with power. Do we hear it? Do we see that? Do we see that what God is telling us in this year is not for in the temporal. No, 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 no. How I'm going to succeed here? How I'm going to use God to solve my problems? Etc. 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 Let's graduate out of that. Let's graduate out of that. And I'm telling you honestly, with my own heart. One one day, one of you know, uh, when I used to go to Gideon's, one brother there used he asked me this question. He told me, you know, he said, Vijay. I just want to ask you this question. You've been a pastor for almost a year and a half now. He said, Vijay, how do you manage? I mean, obviously he's asking me, how do you manage your moolah? And I looked at him and I said, honestly, brother, let me tell you honestly from the bottom of my heart, you know what? I, after I came into full-time ministry, I've got bigger things to worry than money. Bigger things to worry. God has never let me down. Honestly. And the more I say, Lord, let it reduce, you increase. <laughs> That's decrypt, encrypted and later on I'll tell you what it means. Okay? See, that is not, the whole purpose will change. I have bigger things to worry. Bigger things to worry. Honestly, bigger things to worry. Because the weight is now the weight of the word. Will I be able to be a vessel in God's hand so that I can speak the word of God with conviction and with authority, with unction so that people who are there listening to me will be changed at least in some measure or will be stirred in their spirit to search God. That they will hear Vijay and follow Jesus. Just like the, the way they heard John the, John the Baptist and followed Jesus. That is my worry. That is my anxiety. Do we get it? You see? We don't get it. That is the reason why. You know, we like this verse. Matthew chapter 6 verse 31 to 33. Therefore, do not be anxious. <laughs> Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Whom shall we marry? I didn't, that is why. <laughs> For the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. 
But seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. He is using something temporal and pointing to a spiritual truth. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So our focus is now, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything has gone to the background. It's shadowed up. Why do I seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness? What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? So that all these things will be added to me. In other words, if these things are not added to me, maybe I will stop. That is the reason why Apostle Paul puts everybody of, of, of us to shame. Everyone. And that is possibly the reason why God made him write the book of Romans. So that we will all read, all the fellows who are thinking that they are all philosophers and, and, and intellectuals read Romans chapter 8 and Romans chapter, Romans 1 to 16 and put their heads in the mouths in the dust and repent. Look at what he says. This guy will put us to shame. Look at what he says. Do we get it? We don't get it. Look at what he says. Romans chapter 8 verse 32 onwards. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Hey, I seek him. He'll give me all things. He asked six rhetorical questions, by the way. What shall we say of these things? Question number one. What are those things? So many things that I've said till now. Till, till now. <laughs> what shall we say of these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, etc. etc. Six rhetorical questions. And then he comes to verse 35 and he makes a powerful, devastating statement. Devastating to the core. It's going to really rock us. Rock us to the core. Look at what he says. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution? You can handle that because my food is guaranteed. No. Or famine. What shall I wear? What shall I eat? Or nakedness. What shall I wear? Or danger. Or soul. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. You know what he's saying? Even if God does not give me food to eat and clothes to wear, I am absolutely convinced that my body is for him. And I'm going to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Because nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Isn't that devastating? See, it will rock us to the core. It will ask us, Lord, what am I seeking? Do I see what you are asking me to? Then what he says, after having written all this, he says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? That is the reason why I like individual sport. Tennis. Many people compete, only one gets the grand slam. So only run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. You know what? My eyes are fixed on that thing. That thing. I don't see anything else. My body is for him. You know, one of the things that I learned during the mission trip, is my body for him? <laughs> With all the comfort of a flight. And I said, Pastor, romantic ideas about missions have been laid to rest. You know what he said, Vijay? 
20 years back when I came here, I came by train. I was hanging by that bus like this. And I came and preached the gospel. I hung my head in shame. The body is for him. What are we, young people, what are we, what are we running after? I mean, useless, senseless things I say. Absolutely. Okay, the next one which I want to talk about. Something which is temporal, he's going to talk and he's going to point out to the spiritual truth and we don't get it. Look at what it says in John's Gospel, chapter 3. The first thing he's talking about is body. Second thing he's going to talk about something else. Look at what he says in John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter in the kingdom of God. He first tells Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot even see. Forget about seeing. You can't even see. And most of pe- most people, they think that they are born again, but they, they are not born again because they do not see. Why? How do I know that you are actually not born again? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. It says in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, As newborn infants desire the pure, sincere, spiritual milk of the word of God that you may grow up unto salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. You know why? The goodness of God leads you to repentance. You guys have actually not repented of your sins and therefore there is no desire for the sincere, pure milk of the word of God. You are so callous when it comes to the spiritual things, when it comes to the word of God. You don't even see. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. And he makes another devastating statement which will drive us nuts. Look at what he says in uh, verse 8. The wind, sorry not the wind, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Remarkable statement. You know, Pastor Sundakrishnan explains this beautifully. He says, let us take, when I call, when I call a boat a wooden boat, what does it mean? A boat made of wood. When I call some boat a sailboat, what does it mean? It is not a boat made of sails. It is a boat which is driven by the wind. See that? So what? Everything that is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the Spirit will be led and be driven by the wind of the Spirit. You know that? Understand what I'm saying? When people come and say, I'm being led. First of all, I I look very suspiciously. Now that I know Romans chapter 8 and the context of which it is being spoken, Initially, I said, oh, you're being led. Okay, fooled by it easily. But no, not as no. I'm being led to marry this person. I'm being led to take up this job. I'm being led to go to this country. I'm being led to start this business, etc. I'm very, very careful. So why are you coming here for? So that I'll endorse that? I don't know. Because you're quoting scripture out of context. As many as are Led by the Spirit of God or called the Sons of God. See, Paul, when he makes those statements, he makes reasons before that and after that. 
Okay, let's read that in context, by the way. Romans chapter 8, verses 12 to 14. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Because, therefore means, because if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you by the spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And people forget a big for. The next verse, verse 18. Because... All those who are led by the Spirit of God to put to death the deeds of the body. You got that? As many as are led by the Spirit of God to put to death the deeds of the body because it's a for. They are the sons of God. What does it tell me? It tells me I'm being led not to seek my own will but God's will. In every situation. It is not that I have a will and I'm asking God to endorse it and let the wind of the Holy Spirit blow me in that direction. It's not going to happen like pastor say, you can never control the Holy Spirit. No, 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 sir. You can submit to the authority of the Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit is God. The, where the Spirit is who? Is what? Is who? Where the Spirit is? You know what the word Lord is? Where the Spirit is Yahweh. The Greek word is Kyrios. Where the Spirit is Yahweh. There is liberty. I'm being led not but to seek my own will, but God's will. That is a spiritual reality, you know? I'm not just being led by, not to do just whatever I wish. And, 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 and this, this comes home very, very beautifully in Luke's Gospel chapter 4. Look at what he says. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was what? Let by the spirit into the wilderness. Oh boy. Where he's going to be tested now. Whether he's going to do his own will. Or he's going to do the will of his father. Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I know I have the authority and the power to change stones into bread. I'm not going to do that. Because I'm not being led by the spirit to do. I'm being led by the spirit to put to death the deeds of my body. And to prove to you. Where Israel failed, I'm not going to fail. He goes on to say, Matthew chapter 16, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, you see, for far be it from you Lord, this shall never happen to you. Emotional, sentimental, emotion. Peter. We're all like that. Emotional. They're not being led by the spirit, being led by emotions. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is not going to mince words. He said to Peter, get behind me Satan. You are a hindrance to me for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You're setting a mindset is a mindset of the flesh. That is the ESV. You're setting your minds on the things of the things of the flesh and not the things of God. That is the reason why it says Romans chapter 12 verse 2, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove that which is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Otherwise, you will not be able to see it. Your eyes are blinded. I mean, this happened to Pete to 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 to, to Jesus. And you say, It is Jesus who was able to discern. It is not possible with us. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 21. This is Paul, verse 11. 
And coming to us, he took Paul's belt. This is Agabus, the great prophet who prophesied that there was going to be a famine. For three years, there was a famine. Agabus takes the belt of Paul, bound his own feet. He bound it to his own feet and hands. Thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him to the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, who that we is, including the writer of Acts, <laughs> the writer who is being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, Luke, Dr. Luke also saying, oh Paul, please don't go Paul. Don't go Paul, don't go. Paul answered, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart, you fellas? Don't break my heart like this. Come on, grow up, you mature fellas. Mature up. Start putting up, putting, putting up, put away all these childish things. When I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I become a man, somebody will take me somewhere and I'm going to follow him. I do not know where I'm going, but I will still follow him. Don't you know that? Paul answered, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? You know what he says? For I'm ready to be imprisoned, but even, not only ready to be uh, imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. And then, and since he would not be persuaded, you know what they said? Let the will of the Lord be done. That is why you're being led by the Spirit to do God's will. Even if it costs you everything, it inconveniences you, inconveniences you and it is going to happen in the body of Christ. It is not going to be easy because there are going to be inconveniences. So the question, do we see this? Are we being led to do what God's will is? What God wills and not us? Not our own? Not our own? First Peter chapter 4 verse 1 to 3 Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. I love that word, no? Arm yourself. Let it become an armor. Arm yourself for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You want to cease from sinning? Arm yourself with the same weather of thinking. So as to live the rest of the time where in the flesh. Not for human passions, but for the... Everybody read that. For the will of God. For the time that passes, past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Yesterday I was teaching Proverbs and two girls, young teenage girls were sitting next to me, uh, before me and I said, you know what, I wish I was your age and I was listening to this. I wasted my time in senseless things when I was your age and I thank God for you two sitting there and listening to Proverbs. I wish I could listen to that. I wish I could rewind so many wasted years of my life and rewind, go back and change all those days. I thought, chalega aur thoda din, enjoy kar lenge. For the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties and lawless idolatry. Brothers, God is explaining something to us in the physical. Do we get it? Are we being led to do God's will even if it inconveniences us? And it's going to happen. It's going to bound to happen. You know what? People are going to come to our life. They're going to inconvenience. It is, we're going to make room. I mean, pastor was telling him when marriage was taking place, everybody in their home. Whole house is packed with people. Packed with people. It's going to inconvenience. I, mean, I didn't sign up for this. Some privacy, Lord. <laughs> privacy is out of the window, brothers. Why? Because it's a fleeting, transient Our life is a small breath. Today we are there and tomorrow we are gone. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. For the rest of the time, I do not want to live for human passions, but for the will of God. But for the will of God. 
Isaiah 55 verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion upon him to our God for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord. This year let us not miss what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Eyes have not seen nor ears have heard nor nor has entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed to us by his spirit. Natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God because they are foolishness to him, but the spiritual man discerns all things and he judges all things and he himself therefore is not judged. Let us judge our hearts this evening. Do we see? Do we see? Shall we pray? Father, we thank you. We praise you, we worship you, Father, for this time that you have given to us, Lord. Oh Lord, oh Lord, let not this year pass by by doing at least a bit of what you have willed for us, your perfect will for this year, oh Lord. Fifty weeks left for us, Lord Jesus, Lord, let us not waste time in senseless pursuits. Let us focus, let our eyes be stared upon the cross, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let us lay aside every weight and every sin, that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that has been set before us. To that end, O Lord Jesus, bless us and grant us grace, O Lord. We humble ourselves before thee and we acknowledge that without, without you we can do nothing. O Father, fulfill your will through us, through our lives, through our bodies and through our minds. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen.